0: splendid. That's a very heavy one out there. forget it. Uh, We're in the middle of a series, but some of you didn't realize we were in the middle of a series. This is about church without walls, and the subject today is, um, it has, the whole series really has to do with um, changing mindsets. Um, The subjects weren't chosen by me. Uh, They came from... um, A church without walls website which when you were asking me to come here i checked out because your website says you want to be a church without walls so these subjects haven't been chosen by me to throw at you they've been thrown at me in a sense as a result of your desire to be what you want to be and they're challenging me all the way through So I reckon we could preach this series three times over, over the next three years, and each time it would be different. Because there should be movement if doors are opening, if walls are falling, walls in us, walls in the way we do things, walls that prevent the gospel getting out, walls that prevent other people getting in. There should be movement through a process of changing mindsets. The subject for today has not been the easiest one. And it has not been the easiest one because incredibly it's the thing I've heard most comment on since I've been here. In fact, it's the subject that I've had most recognized most disagreement on over 30 years of being a minister. It's the subject of what happens on Sundays. What are Sundays all about. Um, and I share lots of the concerns that people are expressing, so I'm simply making a statement. The subject is moving from running congregations to building communities. The church is not a congregation. It is a community of people. And so it is a matter of working towards relational reformation if you deem that in our case that's necessary. By way of further introduction, let me just give you my somewhat naive picture of the church. I've been a, mini- I've been a Christian for 42 years. Um, I've been a minister for 37 of them. My view of the church has, has simplified down to the almost naive. You're welcome to, you're welcome to challenge it. But this is what it has become the church is a bunch of people following jesus that's what it was in the gospels and that's what it was in the acts of the apostles the church is a bunch of people following jesus it's not a static thing there's a lot of ebb and flow in this church and it's very diverse But there is a shared focus amongst these people. The shared focus is Jesus Christ himself. I imagine the crowd of people gathering around Jesus, and in this crowd there are the children and they're bumbling around, and they're making noises, and some are wetting themselves, and some of the parents are say, oh, and there's noise, and there's bubble and kerfuffle going on, and there's people coming along saying, what's going on? Oh, is that Jesus? And they're lifting their, putting their hands on the, on the shoulders of the people at the back, and some of them want to creep forward, and some of them have got right to the front, and some of them have got to the front and don't like what they find, and they're drifting back and actually they're going to disappear from the crowd. But it's very diverse because all these people are in a different state of awareness of who Jesus is and what it means to be a follower. That's how I see the church. How the church has become in places is a kind of... I've seen it all over the place because for 12 years I was a missionary in the southwest... In other words, in business terms, I was, I was the, the regional rep for mission. And I've seen churches which have become so much one-size-fits-all that only the people that get through that size door ever go into it. And it just becomes like the church... And I, I've been to churches where all people do is turn up on a Sunday... And that's fellowship. And then they go home. That's not church. That's not this community forming around Jesus with all its life problems and shoutings and happinesses and woes coming together and intermingling and focusing on Jesus, helping each other through the crowd, helping to support people, drawing other people in. That's my view of the church. And I love that and I hold to it because as well as being a missioner, I was a chaplain in a school for the same, actually a longer period of time. And in the school, when you talked about church, these kids and the teachers were not at all interested in church. Blow church! But when I explained church in these terms, both children and adults began to get interested. They could involve themselves maybe from a distance with a community of people with this kind of focus. But then they were put off by what they found inside the walls of a Sunday meeting. It's a bunch of people following Jesus, but they're also following in his own heart's desire and wishes. We're following Jesus, we're going where he wants to go. And one of the most passionate pleas of Jesus, not long before he was crucified, which which rips through me again and again, is his cry when the crowds are shouting for him as he goes into Jerusalem. And he, he sobs, great heartfelt sobs, as he looks at this crowd and says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers its chicks under its wings. But you, Jerusalem, would not. And why does that so get me? It gets me because his interest wasn't in the synagogue, the synagogue. Or the temple, the temple. His interest was in Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This mass, this swarming mass ...of humanity with all different angles on faith and no faith. He came for the, for the Jerusalem, not for the synagogue alone. He went to the synagogue, as was his habit... ...but that wasn't where he did all his great stuff. And his heart was for the mass of people. So the church for me is a bunch of people whose hearts are for Jesus... ...and they're all in their different ways and different levels of understanding... Milling around, forming a community around him, but at the same time, his magnetism and his desire is making them turn around and say, "But this is not for us. This is for them." And the walls that that keep them together in a little, a little sort of off the, uh, off, off the. Oh, I've forgotten the phrase. Line where everything comes out of a factory looking the same. <laughs> that. Thank you, off the conveyor belt or whatever it is. And and Jesus' magnetism and his desire then turns them around. They say, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Now, isn't that exciting? Now, it strikes me that you are the kind of church that I've always wanted it to be. Because you are a mass of people at different places in your desire to follow Jesus, with different questions, you are a very diverse bunch of people. And when it comes to talking about Sunday, this diversity comes out, because some of you love it and some of you hate it. And some of you love it like that, but others don't love it like that. And then you're wondering about how you're spending the time and is it worth it and all the rest of it. All that diversity comes out, but you are the kind of community which I want, which I have wanted to see developing and growing and being nurtured. So, you've got community and you've got congregations and there's a difference. I've got three questions and I'm going to have to be quite quick with these, I think. Three questions, which you might not see the point of, but they made sense to me when I was putting all this together. And that in relation to this moving away from running congregations the event the day and so much energy goes into these sunday mornings it mustn't be lost so much stuff goes on behind the scenes and passion and prayer and tears and agonizing at times goes into these sunday mornings by different people even if what comes out is not to your particular taste <laughs> believe me it goes in every week so, questions in relation to this community, this day. What is Ecclesia? Ecclesia is the word translated church. Okay, what is church? Why did Christ die? For what did Christ die? And what is God's interest in Sundays? Three questions. And all I'm going to do is open them up. And you will then go away and debate them. And talk about it, and say, he didn't say this. He could have said that. I know. Okay? First of all, what is church? Ekklesia. It's a um, Greek word. We've got Greek scholars here. If I, slightly sl- if I swerve from the straight and narrow on my understanding of Greek, feel free to shout out. I mean that. It's formed from two words. Ek, which means out from, and um, klesia which comes from the Greek verb kaleo, which means to call. Okay? Called out from. Often translated. Any any objections to that so far? A uh, little one from Helen. Come on then. Okay. Usually translated assembly or church because it's a gathering together, called out and gathered together. And Baptists have majored on that over the years. We are a gathered community, we're told, over, over and over again. That's our Baptist theology as we have expressed it. Okay. But it also can mean called out from in the sense of there is this world system and Christ has called us out from that to congregate, to be around him. And my preference at the present time, even if it's slightly wonky Greek, my preference at the the present time is to take the second meaning as what we ought to take it as. We are called out from this present world system To be followers of Christ in a new kingdom system, which turns the world's ways upside down. We are called to be followers of Christ. And his ways are not the same ways as the systems that go on round and about us. That's what we have committed to. We haven't committed to a half-in-half. We've committed to Jesus. And that's a revolutionary commitment as far as this world is concerned. It's a rebellious commitment as far as this world's standards are concerned. So, we're a bunch of people who are called out from this world to, to live in it Jesus' way. And what was it that Christ died for? We're told in the scripture that he died for our sins. Christ died for your sins. He died to deal with them as far as from the Father's point of view, and to release you from the guilt and condemnation that goes with them. And when you turn from this world and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, Jesus says, and you have all the pardon that God can offer, and it goes on and on and on and on, and grace will keep on lavishing that mercy and welcome and forgiveness for you. And not only would it be in theory, but I will give you my spirit to be with you, to affirm it inside you, so that you don't just know it in your head, you know it. He died for our sins. And he died to bring us to, cry, to God. Now then, what kind of community did he die to com- create? I've got these uh, references written down You can check them out with me afterwards if you want. Galatians. Grace and peace to you from Church of Christ. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave him for our sins, what? To deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father to whom be glory. To call together people, to gather us together, to call us out, from this present age to be his people. Or Colossians, chapter 1, verse 13. Through the death of Christ, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Lots of transfer news in the, in the, in the football world at the moment. Well, God's got his own transfer news for you. When Christ died for you and you said, I'm yours, Christ, he transferred you from the kingdom of darkness. God transferred you into the kingdom of his dear Son. He's made you a new creation, but he's made us a new creation. We are a new community. Hallelujah. And 1 Peter 2, verse 9. This is how precious you, the community of believers, are. You are a chosen race. From God's point of view, you are a royal priesthood. You are a new holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. You are a people for his own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So you are a people and you're gathered out of the world and you meet together on this day, which is the first day of the week, the the resurrection day, but you're not gathered together for Sunday, you're gathered together so that you can mature and grow together and as a community, you and me can can proclaim the excellencies of the ones who called us out of darkness. Because Jesus' heart is still for Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Bristol, Bristol. Oh, company I work for. Oh, aerospace. Oh, hospital. Oh, whatever it is. Christ died to bring together a bunch of people like that. And God's interest in Sundays... What do you reckon? Do you reckon he's interested in a Sunday event? Do you reckon he turns up to say what they're going to do today? Oh, that was a good show. Well, I'm going to go and give him a bit of applause for that. Or do you think he's interested in Sunday people? Because Sunday is not the day, where, you know, when the Jews used to or still do worship. They worshipped on the last day of the week, the Sabbath, the Saturday. And most of the Christian church, fairly early on, changed it to the Sunday. It's not a necessity, it's not a rule of scripture, it doesn't matter which day you meet, it's not there set down in scripture that thou shalt do it on this day, but it's the day which became chosen has become our tradition. And we do it because it's the resurrection day, the first day of the week. And you are a resurrection people because you are born out of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are a wonder to the angels because of the transformation that has been made in you by the resurrection power, the saving power of Jesus Christ. You may not always feel it, but you are a wonder. And one day, that splendour which Jesus Christ has bestowed on us as his people is actually going to be seen and recognised one day in his timing. This is how Paul relates to this. In Philippians 3, verse 8. Now this is a scary passage. And this is the first of three challenges I'm throwing down today. You don't have to answer me uh, because uh, you're not responsible to me. It's a challenge which I have to accept as well. Philippians, Philippians. Where are thou? Here we are. This is Paul's response to God's interest in the body, in himself. He says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, And count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Because I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that if by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. He had the same view as that Iranian pastor. And when we gather together on Sunday, God is not interested in events. He's interested in people, the community, who are maturing into this kind of faith, and devotion in him, where he becomes more and more the center and the reality and the focus of our new um, Christian culture. And he's interested in us as community. So Sundays exist so that God, by his Spirit and through the body, can form that community, that understanding within us. So Sundays are intended to be community being relational. Relational community developing and growing. With Jerusalem in mind. For the sake of Christ who is at the heart. Now one of the things about this community of Jesus Christ is. And this is a little bit of an aside, okay? That with, an, with any community, there are, there are people who are the artists and the creative ones, there are the people who are the practical ones, there are the people who are the philosophers, and, and there are people who are the, the doers and the behind-the-scenes, and the people who are the upfronts and the leads. In every community, you have these people. And the church is the same. And we have... All of you are gifted by God if you accept his gifts. And the gifts that you have fall into one or another of various general categories. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So that the work of Christ done through his body isn't done by all of us. It's done by all of us supporting those who are gifted in various areas. Okay, One of the things I hear from you over the time that I've been here, is how you are longing for what happens in church to reach out there. So I'm going to ask Caroline to come up because we've got evangelists here and Caroline is one of them. And Ruth is one of them. So, community, you have evangelists and you have other people gifted. Now listen to this, because this is a point where, as community, you support what they're going to do in your name and Christ's. Please come to a microphone. I'll step away in case it all goes... Did I switch it off? You see, and we had technicians. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Uh, excuse my voice, I've got a bit of hay fever. Ruth has had this passion for reaching out for quite a long time. Anybody who knows Ruth Micho knows that she has this passion. And so I agreed to support her in this passion because I like Ruth very much. And she has discovered a course called Christianity Explored. It isn't a very inspiring title, but if I picked the book up the other day and it challenges all of us to think. The questions it raises are, people who are not Christians think that we are weird, that what we believe is untrue and ridiculous. Now I like a course that challenges me to prove that I'm not weird, ridiculous, or untrue. That's my kind of a course. So having found something that both Ruth and I feel really engaged with, we started looking around. Now, we have here amazing resources. We've got a building, we've got a space, we've got chairs, we've got a fantastic Bronwyn who makes brilliant cakes, we've got coffee and tea facilities, we've got this lovely roof that keeps off the rain and today is keeping off the sun. We can be very comfortable here. The most amazing resource that we have is every one of us here today. All the children that are next door, all those people that are part of this. Those empty spaces are people who are not here today, who could be here today. We could fill this place, but who are we going to fill it with? So, on the 5th of October, I'm here to invite everyone here. I'm not inviting the person next to you, I'm inviting you individually, in your own right, to come into this space on the 5th of October, which is a Wednesday evening at eight o'clock. To come, have cake, have coffee, tea, cold drinks, sit, be comfortable, bring a friend, bring somebody who'd like to be a friend. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all went round inviting each other and say, I'd really like you to come with me on the 5th of October for an evening when we discuss why we're here. Why have we chosen to follow Jesus? Where are the gaps that you, my guest, can fill? Where are the gaps that I can fill for you? What's your particular area of study? What has been on your heart for years and years that has caused you to walk the path of Jesus. Now I would love to spend an evening with every one of you and find out what's your particular area of study? What's your passion? What do you know that I'm only just beginning to get an inkling of? What have I found out that perhaps you're totally unaware of? What do we both believe that frankly we think might be untrue? What do we both believe that really buoys us up on those days when we have hit rock bottom. Why do we keep coming and joining together because we're only here because we've all chosen to be here? So for everybody here, people who I know and people who I don't know yet, please come on the 5th of October, Wednesday evening, for tea, coffee, cake, and discussion about Jesus. You can record what's on the telly I guarantee you won't get better at cake and coffee at home. Please come along. We're only asking you to bring yourselves. Ruth has committed to invite every single person on the phone. So you will be getting a phone call asking you to come. Please think about your guest. Think about coming. Thank you very much.
0: Of course, we know that it's a Wednesday and some of you will be in Tanzania and some of you will be in London and some of you will be somewhere else and some of you will be babysitting and all of you can accept that invitation. So there's no no arm-twisting or neck-squeezing here. But the point is, we've got two people here who are passionate evangelists. They talk about Jesus during the week with the people here. They pray with people here. They want to get us passionate about Jesus they've come up with a course which they think will really um, excite people who are searching for Jesus and they want you to experience the course and if possible they want you to bring along people and introduce them to it you can do that because you don't have to do it yourself you see what I mean you don't have to do the course you've got people gifted within this community who can do that now that's an aside First challenge to you this morning was Paul's view of what it means to follow Jesus. I want to challenge you within this community, whether you are somebody who actually says, um, everything means nothing to me but Christ. I have suffered the loss of all things, even though I live in a fine house, and I do. Even though I live in a fine house and drive a good car, I do. See, Jesus is more important to me than these things. I'm a follower of Jesus first. Have you reached that stage in your life where you say, really, I'm a follower of you, Jesus. These other things have to take a back place. Okay? That's the reason I didn't want to read those scriptures out. The second challenge is whether or not you're willing to engage with the people who are in the church and are gifted and have got ideas and are willing to put them into practice, whether you're going to engage by supporting them in inviting people who are not yet Christians or coming along yourself from time to time just to find out what's going on, so you can then support them. So what they, have, what they believe God has given them can really work for the kingdom, for Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That's the second challenge. Because as a community we can either say, okay, you do it, or we can say we support you, we rally around you. So I've almost finished. In fact, I must finish. The passages I read from Acts show us that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, which means having meals together. You're very good at that here. And prayers. And these things build up community. Community. Their fellowship took the form of generosity, overwhelming generosity. And what I'm not doing is I'm not asking any of you to sell your lands or your fields or your third cars, because that is not what Luke was writing about. What he was writing about was the overwhelming generosity of these people who were like their master, because as the scripture says, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. In New York, another aside, in New York a few years ago there were some dentists, lawyers, and doctors who were passionate to bring the good news of Jesus to one of the slum areas. Uh, but they were doctors, dentists and lawyers. And uh, they had families to support like everybody else. And then a group of businessmen said to them, uh, you are doctors, dentists and lawyers. We will pay, we will resource you to give up your jobs and go and work voluntarily in the slum district that you have on your heart. And you can be doctors and dentists and you can be lawyers on behalf of the people who have no one to speak up for them and no resources to answer for them. And so one group of businessmen supported a ministry which then grew churches through compassion and love. There are so many different ways of being generous. Some of you are amazingly generous with your time. I've heard about about stuff that you do which doesn't get talked about, so I mustn't embarrass you from the front. But you you are not a backward people in being generous. Many of you. But the fellowship of that community of the church was demonstrated in generosity, each looking to the interests of others. So, we have a church which is a bunch of people following Jesus. We have a church which it wants, to, wants to follow after the heart of Jesus, which is, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. We've got a church who is going to sort of, um, a bunch of people who are going to allow the Holy Spirit to, save, uh, to search their own hearts to say, how really devoted am I to Jesus Christ first? We've got a church, a bunch of people are saying we're going to recognise the gifts that are amongst us and where we can't do things ourselves we are actually going to support others who can do what we dream and pray about. And now we've got Sunday. How does Sunday contribute to this? So this is the third and final challenge, okay? The third and final challenge is if you were organising a Sunday morning I'm speaking to men particularly because men have been discussing this for years, okay? Okay? You've been talking about it at your men's weekends, year after year after year. Some very good ideas there. Some very passionate thinking. But look, if you were organizing the Sunday morning, which intentionally is to build up community around Jesus in his kind of way, in a way that resonates with a resurrection people, that contributes to relational reformation, If you were sorting out the Sunday, what would it look like? And I'm inviting you to put together your templates, talk about it at your men's meetings, when you're sort of meeting for a drink, when you're worn out. Talk about it, think about it, and come back with templates and let us see... We're not asking you just to talk about it and go away and say it never happened. I'm saying I'm challenging you to produce something which then contributes to this kind of community when we gather together on Sundays, which throws us out into the world afterwards, saying we're refreshed in Jesus and we're refreshed in one another. Put together those templates and then bring them. Let us see them. But when you're doing it, remember we are a community and our community includes old and young. The children are not outside the community of the church. They are part of it. Our community includes the well and the sick, those who are at peace with life, and others who are living through turmoil, who cry out, oh my God, where are you, at the moment. Remember that we're male and female and very diverse. We're at different stages of our walk with Jesus. We're a bunch of people following him. The challenge is not just to talk about it, to produce templates so that we can use them when we gather together on Sundays. God bless you.